Awesome. Thank you, church. You may be seated. How you all doing? Doing well? It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be in church. And uh, it is always a privilege and an honor to gather around God's Word and my heart and my intention every time I get the privilege to speak into the hearts of the people of Civic Church is that God's Word would be more illuminated than ever, and but more importantly, God's Word would be real to your situation, whatever you're facing right now, because how many people know that the Bible doesn't just work on a Sunday morning for 70 minutes, the Bible works every single day of the week. And when we couple that with the Holy Spirit, it is a lethal combination. And so I pray today, That as I'm speaking, that you would not just hear the words of a man, but you would hear God, you would hear heaven deposit something into your heart for your week, for your season, whatever you're facing. Amen? Amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love it if you could turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read three verses there, then we're going to skip over a couple of chapters into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is like the, the love a verse that often gets read out at weddings and Christian circles when people are dating or getting engaged. It's known as the love chapter. It's not really known as the love chapter. That's just the name that we as Christians have given it. I don't think Paul ever entitled it the love chapter. But 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, just to give you some context, I think it's always important to lay a background, a foundation to know what we're reading. Uh, the church and Christians are getting a little upset because people are going to restaurants and cafes, and they're eating food that was once sacrificed to idols. And so the religious people are getting upset saying, hey, 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 if you're eating at this restaurant, you can't eat there anymore. That's not on because that food was offered and sacrificed up to idols. And then Paul is responding to this issue within the church. Listen to what he says. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we have We all have knowledge about this issue. He's referring to the law. Listen to this. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Oh man, I wish we could spend a four-day conference unpacking that. While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognises. Skip over to uh, chapter 13, like I said we would do. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, We do thank you for your word. God, we thank you that when we hold your word up to anything else in this world, it is like holding up a candle to the sun. There is no comparison. And God, I pray today that you would speak to us with a clarity that could help us with our wisdom, that could grow us in our courage, that could grow us in our discernment, that we would walk out of here, not just have sat in a service for 70 odd minutes, but God, that there would be an inward transformation of our lives so that we could change the world around us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. How good was Easter last week? 
particularly, I mean, Easter Sunday is, you know, celebration, but there is something so special about Good Friday. And the, the Good Friday service at Picnic Point, I mean, it was, it was something else, wasn't it? There was the sunrise, and as the sun began to rose, the sunlight danced off those beautiful trees there at the iconic picnic point. The songs that we sung, the significance of the day where we remembered what Jesus had accomplished on the cross, and we've just sung it this morning, every victory is yours. I mean, it was just an incredible morning. Would you agree? It was amazing. And I found myself there, if, if I can be a little bit vulnerable and if I can just be a little bit, take a little bit of time to confess, I actually, I slept in and I was late. You know, you've got a great church when your pastor sleeps in late for the Good Friday service. And so I was late and uh, I mean, the look that my wife gave me when I sort of tried to just slip into the crowd, if looks could kill people, um, She's sweet, but man, she can, yeah. Anyway, we move on. I digress. And so part of my role at the church here is obviously to help tell the story of who we are as Civic. And, and so I had brought um, some technology that helped capture the, um, the sort of the aerial shot using a drone. And uh, it would be a, a good thing if you could jump on our Instagram page and give it a double like. It strokes my ego a little bit. And I was capturing some footage for that day. And I found myself, you know, you, everybody here and, and others were singing the songs and we were taking communion. I nearly didn't take communion if it wasn't for Margaret. She noticed, oh, pastor doesn't have communion. That's not a good thing. And she brought it over to me. And so here I am. You guys are all enjoying this significant Easter morning. And I'm on this drone and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, if I could be just a little bit vulnerable today. God said to me, you know what? You should just take a moment and capture the significance of this of, of what's going on. Good Friday doesn't happen all the time, Jared. And, and you know what I said to myself? I said, yeah, God, like, I get it. I, I know what happened. I know the timeline. I've seen the little card. I printed that out. I've seen it. I get it. I know the timeline. I've read the Old Testament prophecies. I know about Herod. I know what Pontius Pilate says. I mean, I've seen the passion of the Christ. How much more do I need? And so I'm going through all that. I mean, you know, this is just for the people. You know what? I'll just, I'll just capture the moment. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me in that moment. He said, you know what? Knowledge is not the goal. And that's all he said. He just left me with that on a good Friday morning. Knowledge is not the goal. And as I started to reflect over that and felt a little convicted, I started to think, you know what? It's intimacy over information every single time. It's intimacy over information every single time. It's revelation over information every single time. The goal in this whole thing that we call the Christian faith is not to know it all, friend. The goal is to know Him. I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, I know. I know. Has knowledge about God, about God, suffocated your intimacy for God? Oh, I know about God. I know, I, I got the stats, I got the facts, 
I can memorize Scripture. Let me tell you, Jesus is not impressed that you can memorize Scripture. He would be far more concerned that you could fall in love with the author that inspired who wrote it. And what happens when I know about God and when I don't know God is a distance and a disconnect begins to emerge and surface. And you know what distance creates? Distortion. And this is what, this is what we have right now in the world with the church. We have Christians and we have churches that know about God but they don't know God and so there is a distance that has been created and so the distorted view of God, the church presents that to the world because we're the experts and we know about God. This is who God is and then people that you and I know are really uneasy about that God that is presented because it's information over intimacy. Christians haven't always been the sweetest people on the streets, would you agree? We haven't always got it right because of our distorted views and our distorted views as a result of the distance. And the distance is a result because we've thought knowledge and information and knowing the Scriptures and knowing the stats and the facts about God, that's the, that's the highest, that's, the, that's where we need to be, isn't it, Pastor? Not at all. Not at all. I love the new Christians that call books of the Bible Psalms because they don't know. They got no idea. I love that. I love new Christians that have no idea how to pray. We had a young guy in youth many, many years ago. And I mean, his prayer, I'm pretty sure there was a few four-letter words that we shouldn't say in church, but it was genuine and it was authentic. And I loved every minute of it because he knew God. He didn't know, he didn't know the right way to pray. He hadn't been in church long enough to figure it out, but he knew God in his heart. Here's what I know. Having information without intimacy is dangerous. I'm not here to discount knowledge or the academics. The Bible encourages us to study and meditate on God's Word. So please don't hear me, oh, well, all we, do, you know, all we need is intimacy. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Please don't take that out of context. I believe that studying God's Word and meditating God's Word, I mean, our senior pastor is a Bible college principal, so to go against that would be foolish. But it's intimacy is the starting point. Intimacy is the origin. And it's amazing what happens that when we get an intimacy with God, your thirst, your hunger, your desire to want to know more God, to study, to go to Bible college, to do whatever you want to do, that's where it comes from. But when we get the order around the wrong way and we become theologians, but we forgot what it is to empathise with people and show compassion and show kindness to those around us because, you know, well, you know what? I, I, I know things. Yeah, but do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Do you know His heart for the broken? Do you know His heart for the lost? The religious people. The Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day, listen to this, they knew more about God than anyone else. They were the experts. And yet it was them, they crucified Jesus. The knowledge that they possessed was actually meant to lead them to God, but it actually caused them to crucify God. So maybe a lot of the real religious experts that we have today 
that know about God, maybe they're actually not leading us to God. Maybe they're actually leading us away from God. Like I said before, some Christians care more about memorizing their Bibles rather than connecting with the author of it. And admittedly, part of me, part of me actually wishes that my knowledge would be based on merit with Jesus because then, we, then it would be just so easy, right? Then we could just tick a box, well, I know that verse and I know this and I know that. And it would be very, very easy to categorize where people are at because, well, you know, I've got knowledge, you don't. And we could have systems and classes and categories and files and all the choleric people like, yeah, let's do that. And Jesus says, no, we're not going to do that. It's about intimacy, not information. I think part of the problem with information over intimacy and intimacy over information is we live in a time where one click and two, three swipes on a device, we can find any answer to any question that we have. Information is not only so easily accessible today, but the speed of information is ridiculous. Is, has anyone else thought about this? Like it wasn't so long ago where we actually had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Does anyone remember those things? Man, they were hard to figure out. It wasn't so long ago that we had to use a Refidex. Does anyone remember the Refidex? I mean, you had to have a PhD to figure that thing out. But these days, it's just boop, 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 there. And we just feed off it. I remember, I remember talking to one of our older members of uh, this church, our congregation, and sadly, they've passed away. But I remember one time after church, he came and asked me and he said, what are these things that you guys preach from? You've got to understand, he came from a generation where he went to school with a horse and buggy. And that's no lie. I'm not kidding. And so he sees this young upstart preacher preaching from this illuminated screen. He's got no idea what's on here. And so he genuinely came to me. He's like, what is that thing? And I said, well, sir, because that's what you call older people. You say, well, sir, you know books, right? And he's like, yeah, I know books. Well, within this device, let me try and break it down for you. Within this device contains information about every book that you've ever read. And he was like in that small device? Like his head was, his mind was about to explode. And I said, now let me go one step further. It's not just every book that you've read, but it's like every book in the library in, in Toowoomba here. And he's like, in that device, all that information? I said, yeah. And I said, let me go even one step further for you. It's not just every book in the library in Toowoomba. It's every library in the world is contained in here. I mean, the dude nearly had a heart attack. He had to sit down. Because his mind was just within that device. We are so overwhelmed with information everywhere. I mean, from the moment that you wake up, you've got notifications telling you from BuzzFeed, from news.com, it's at you. Bang, bang, bang. Accessible information blogs, documentaries. And the trouble is, all we do is we become experts because we saw a six-part series on Netflix. Well, you know, I watch the Netflix series and so I pretty much know how rocket science works now. I read a blog, you know. I read this article and I'm no medical person, but I read, I read an article. And so I'm, you know, I'm pretty good. We become experts because we read a two-minute blog or a six-part series in Netflix and all of a sudden, we are the gurus. We know answers because I've done stuff. I know stuff, people. We might be coming 
more informed, but are we actually becoming less inspired? Let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you were really impressed and inspired by something? Because this is what information does. Information desensitizes our awe and our wonder. And what happens is we actually bring that into our relationships with God. So we know all the stories about God. Yeah, I know Noah's Ark. I know when Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea, but because of the information over it, we become decent. It, it no longer is just a miracle. It's just a story that we read and we lose the power and the weight. When was the last time that you were astonished and amazed in church? When was the last time that you paused and said, wow, like genuinely wow? Information over intimacy has the potential to create a disconnect and a divide, causing us as Christians to be more arrogant, more opinionated, and less empathetic. Just this week, met up with a guy and doesn't come to this church, but he is in a world of hurt and he was reaching out to the church and to, to me as a pastor and saying, you know, can you help? Can you do something? And you know what? Part of the self-righteous of me, I'm hearing about this guy's story and a lot, of, a lot of the mess that he finds himself in is because of his own foolish choices and his decisions. And you know what? Part of the self-righteous, part of the information was like, well, you know what, sir? The Bible says you reap what you sow. So, And you know what? You actually remind me about the fool that the book of Proverbs talks about. I mean, how is that going to help him in that moment? But that's what information can do. But intimacy says, you know what? Here is a human made in the image of God. And sure, he's made some choices, but Jesus still loves him. Jesus died on the cross for him. How can I be empathetic? How can I show compassion and kindness to another human being who is hurting? And I just happen to believe that's our calling as the church, to be light in the darkness, to meet people where they're at, not just to give them stats and facts and figures, to feel with them, to remind them that Jesus still loves them. The convenience of information because it's so readily accessible, it has caused us to stop searching and seeking and, and igniting that curiosity and that inquisitiveness that I want to know more. Well, I'll just two clicks and three swipes. And, and, and the thing about walking with God is it's a relationship. And what does a relationship take? It takes time. It takes time. It's not a three-minute blog read. It's not a Netflix binge watch with Jesus. It takes time to get to know the author and the finisher of your faith. I wouldn't be the only one here, but I use the YouVersion Bible app. Any, any YouVersion Bible app? I mean, we encourage people to use it. You can read today's message notes on the YouVersion Bible app. And they have this feature, and I'm, I'm not here to mock because I think it's a brilliant tool for Christians to use. But you know what I found myself doing? They have this thing where they call it the streak. And every day that you open the YouVersion Bible app, it logs a day. And it's, I think it's got a little flame icon like, hey, you're doing well as a Christian. And I think that's great to encourage people to keep opening God's Word. But you know what I found myself doing? I found myself just opening the app so that I could keep my streak going. In case any of you stole my phone, I want to check that pastor's phone. What's that guy been looking at? Oh, look at his streak. He must be good. None of you think that way, but I do. 
But I found myself just going through the motions of getting information rather than actually spending time with God. Like when was the last time that you opened the book, God's Word, and maybe just poured over four words rather than just getting through it, got to do my daily devotions because the church, the pastor said so. It's never meant to be like that church. It's meant to be an intimate exchange between you and the God of the universe. You could spend a year on four words in this book because it's so life-changing. I'm not here to mock, you know, read the Bible in a year. I'm not here to mock that. I'm not here to knock that. I think that's a great tool. So long as you get more of God in your life, not just tick the box. The rate that we chew and digest information, we're so, we're so addicted to the new. Like we read something and then we want something new. That, that, that's the human pattern right now. We, 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 we view something, okay, what's the new series coming out? What's the new blog? What's the news saying today? We just want something, we're addicted to the new. You know, I've heard people say to, to, to me personally about our preaching here at Civic, when are they going to preach something new other than grace and truth? Church, beware of the preacher that starts preaching something new other than grace and truth. I don't know how they read or skin that cat, but as far as I'm concerned, there is only grace and truth. You could summarise that in grace and in truth. What, 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 what's, what's your reaction when you hear John 3.16? Know it. Jeremiah 29.11. Know it. Can they preach something new? Like I've heard John 3. I know God loves me. Do you know? Does it take you back to that very first moment when you understood and you had a revelation of grace? Where God rescued you from your mess? I know it. Do you know it? Give us something new. No, just, just keep preaching the same message over and over. Grace and truth. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verses 17 in the, the Passion Translation, He says this, These children demonstrate to you what faith is all about. Learn this well unless you receive the revelation, not information, friend, revelation of the kingdom the same way a little child receives it. You will never be able to enter in. Think about the posture of a child. Some of us have children here. The posture of a child, they're always curious. They're natural Learners, they're listeners, some. They're wide-eyed, they're keen. They love it, they, they're like sponges, they absorb it. I remember the first time I took our daughter to time zone. Oh my sweet Lord, it was sensory overload. Everyone know time zone, the place, the arcade machine? I mean, the place is riddled with germs, but that's just, that's just me. I mean, you're hitting buttons and you're like, I'm catching something here, but it's not tokens, let me tell you. This thing's going to kill me. But we're having fun. It's family time. But we, like a kid going into a place like that, they're just, this is awesome. There's like an awe and a wonder, the lights, the sounds. And Jesus says, if you don't have that approach, that posture to me and to the kingdom, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. We say things like this. Everything was better and simpler when I was a kid. And that might be true. Everything was just easier when I was a kid. Everything seemed better. Like the grass seemed greener. Life was easier. 
My neighbours were cool. We, you know, we, 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 we talk about the good old days. Maybe things actually weren't better. Maybe it was just because you saw everything like a child. And maybe if we could take that same perspective now as a 40-year-old male or a 60-year-old woman, maybe we could have the same perspective of how we saw life as kids. It would be less about information and more about intimacy. A childlike wonder. You know what I've realised? The more you know God, the more you really know Him, the more you don't know Him. (laughs) I was sharing with our senior pastor this week. I was laughing. I said, you know what? I'm 37 now and I still cringe when I hear my 27-year-old self preaching. I'm like, how you guys actually stayed in the church with that nonsense? Like, I don't know. I'm not even sure it was theologically correct. You guys just said, you know, he's, he's having a go. He's doing his bit. We'll, we'll, we'll encourage him. We might correct him. You know, God, devil, get that sorted, Jared. Don't confuse them. When I was a young person, when I was, when I was 27, when I was in my early years of youth, I had answers for everything. People would ask me questions. Hey, this is what it says. This is the answer. A tragedy happens in someone's life. This is the answer. This is why it's happened. I had answers for everything. Arrogant, cocky. This is what it says. I got information. You know what? The more I walk with Jesus, He often asks me this question when I think I've got the answer. He's like, is that really me, Jared? Like, is that really my character? There's a refining and a, and a sharpening. It may be that I, what I was preaching wasn't necessarily wrong, but there's a refining and a sharpening that as you journey with God, He begins to give you more and more of who He is. And the more you walk with Him, you're like, I don't know if I even know you at all. And He's like, that's the point. Keep walking with me and I'll show you more. Listen to what the message says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is talking about the food sacrifice to idols. And he says this, Sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I would like to submit that to the church of the world in 2022 as a great statement. Humble hearts over proud minds. That's a great mantra for life as far as I'm concerned. Imagine if we took that approach into every relationship, work colleagues, families, friends, humble hearts over proud minds. You know what the most refreshing comment that I find in churches today when talking with other leaders and pastors is when they say, I don't know. I don't know. Because you know what that says to that's why, that's why we kind of need God. Because <laughs> I don't know. How has the COVID pandemic affect church attendance? How has it affected how people see church? What are we going to do for the next five years? Are we going into World War III? What should the church do? Are we in end times? How's climate change going to affect this? That? Sometimes the most refreshing, I don't know. And this is why the Bible encourages us to have faith and trust in the one that does know. The more I know Him, 
the softer my heart grows for people. The more I know Him, the less opinionated I have or the less opinions I have of people that I don't know. Jared, what do you think about this person? What do you think about this celebrity? Well, you know what? I don't know them. I don't know their story. This week, I had to deal with a lady who, she was difficult. Can I just say that? Some might call her a Karen. If you don't know what a Karen is, look it up. But she was difficult. And I struggled. I struggled within my own soul. It was, it was so hard to, be, to show self-control. And, I, and, and if I can say this, I was right, she was wrong. I had all the information she did not. But you know what the Holy Spirit reminded me of, knowing that I was going to preach this week? You don't know her story, Jared. You don't know her journey, what led her to this moment and why she's reacting this way. Humble hearts, proud minds. Yeah, but I'm right, God. I got all, look at it. I'm right. I mean, I should have replied in caps lock and red and throw in a few devil emojis. Humble hearts, proud minds. Humble hearts, proud minds. I'll finish with this and then I'm done. John chapter 13, there's this beautiful exchange where Jesus is gathered with His disciples. And the picture that John gives us in John chapter 13 in verse 23, John, the disciple, is, is leaning back into Jesus. And in verse 23, it says, the disciple who Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. What's funny about that is John wrote that. <laughs> the disciple who Jesus loved, not sure about the other 11, but I know he loves me. And so here's John leaning back into Jesus. And Jesus says, one of you will betray me. One of you is going to betray me. Now, naturally, if you were at that table, that would be, if there's 12 of you and Jesus, there's got to be some curiosity, right? Who is it? And so John says, who is it? Leans over to Jesus because he's close. Who is it, Jesus? I mean, I think we could all forgive John for maybe asking that question. Like, who is it, Jesus? I want to know. And you know what Jesus replies? He says, the one to whom I give the bread, I dip in the bowl. And so as the story goes, he gives it to Judas. And verse 28 says this, none of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. John wrote that. John was kind of like writing in the third person. None of the others knew at the table, but because John asked the question, Jesus revealed it to him. And so John knew that it was Judas that was going to betray him. You know what John didn't do? Even though he knew, even though he had all the information, he didn't stand up and said, hey, I got something to tell you all. I, I know things. Jesus told me things. He didn't do that. Would you and I have had that same posture? He had the information. He, he, he knew about the scenario and yet it was more about the intimacy with Jesus than the information. Because when we lean into Jesus, standing up and telling people what they need to know and the information, that's not the fruits of intimacy with God. The only prerequisite for you and I to be like John 
is to have the same approach that when they walked into that room around the table is, I just want to be close to God. I just want to be close to God. I just want to be close to Jesus. I just want to be the disciple whom Jesus loved. And just just for clarification, John wasn't saying that the, the other 11 disciples, Jesus didn't love them, but he was just seeing himself. Well, this is how Jesus sees me. I don't know about the other 11. And of course, we know that God doesn't play favorites. So it wasn't that God, Jesus didn't love them. But I love that John writes that about himself. Intimacy over information. I wonder if you could stand with me as we finish this morning. You know, sometimes out of the routine of life, we do this church service every single Sunday. I'm not sure if you've ever considered this, but 52 Sundays a year, and usually the pattern and the model is fairly simple. We, we, we might mix it up every now and then, and you know, we might have an Easter service or a volunteer Sunday or a Mother's Day service, and the service looks a little different. But for the most part, often the church service looks a little bit different. And I think it's always important to explore new methods of how we can convey the message and how we can reach more people. But usually there's praise and worship, there's communion and the preaching of the Word. And and that can be done differently. But ultimately the models and the ingredients are often the same. You understand. And what happens so often in our life because we're so used to new information Every single day, we, can, we bring that approach to our church services, but more importantly, we bring that kind of posture and approach into our walks with God. And because there doesn't to be, have the appearance of anything new, 9.30, Civic Church, let's go. Get to your seat, look who's here. Band starts up. We've done this song two weeks ago. It's out of key. He's out of tune. And it becomes more about information than intimacy. Instead, when you go back maybe to that very first moment when you had that revelation of God's love and grace. Whenever I find myself like a good Friday and I'm at Pitnik Point and I'm flying a drone, God brings me back to that place in 2005 where I was a mess. And he doesn't let me forget it. Not because he wants me to feel bad. Not because he wants me to feel diminished. Because he wants me to remind him of his grace and his love. Son, don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that. Because if you become more about information than intimacy, you've lost my heart for the people. It's the same for you and I. Let God take you back. And for some of us, it would be decades Let him take you back to that moment of intimacy and let that burn bright every single day. Don't get addicted to the new. Something to be said, just being faithful with what God has given us for today. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, that we would be the church that doesn't declare that we have all the answers. God, that we would be the church that we just praise and worship and honour and celebrate the one who holds the answers. God, that we wouldn't 
allow ourselves to be so caught up in the information superhighway, God, that we would be swept up in your intimacy, that we wouldn't suffer from spiritual amnesia and forget those very first moments where we discovered you. Bring us back to those. Intimacy over information. Humble hearts, God, that we would take humble hearts into our week. That we would be full of love, not opinion. That we would be full of compassion, not arrogance. That we would be full of you and less of us. God, we give you praise and honour and we dare not keep any for ourselves. In Jesus' incredible name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I pray that as we head into our weeks, that we could have humble hearts and less pride when we deal with people, when we walk with our Jesus. Amen. Team's going to finish up with one final song and they will be in tune.